Christmas. Today, we are in our series called Follow. It is, in fact, the tail end. It is the very end of the series, the the end of the movie, if you will. And so if you have missed an installment of this movie, or I suppose maybe more accurately, TV show, um, if you missed it, have no fear. The web is here. You can always catch up on Facebook, on our app, or on our website. Today, I'm specifically going to be talking to the Christians. And so if you have decided to follow Jesus, today is your lucky day, because I'm talking specifically to you. And if you're not Christian, it's also kind of your lucky day, I suppose, in the fact that you just get to sit back and hear what the Christians have to do to be Christian, essentially, in a way. And so you get to, you know, look at your Christian friends and be like, I don't see you doing that, and maybe a little judgmental, I suppose, but I hope you also would listen just as intently because I think there is some um, powerful advice that I think even you can take away, and especially if you're considering what it looks like to follow Jesus. Now, Christians, I'm excited because today's verses, specifically some commands that Jesus gives us, are some verses that are rarely talked about in the church. Um, In fact, I didn't hear about them until I became a pastor, and I think I was in seminary the first time I I heard these particular verses. They're kind of just the verses you read about and just kind of move on. You don't really think about the implications of them, if you will. Um, And unfortunately, I'll be honest with you, I don't preach these verses all that often, which is, you know, maybe my bad, but you know, hey, here we are today and we're going to be talking about them. And I hope that you will lean into these because I promise you, these verses have the potential to fast track your faith growth. Let's say that again. These verses have the potential to fast track your faith growth, not just a little bit, but a lot of it. So if you're in a place in your life where you're feeling maybe a little bit stuck, um, you're, not spo- you're, you're not doing your devotional like you should be, you're trying to figure out what your next step is, you've kind of just been doing the same thing over and over again when it comes to your faith, or faith is not really an active part of your life, this is the opportunity you have to kick it into high gear. So I'm really glad you're here. And also, these verses, and this is a big deal, have the potential to fix some of the major problems within the church, including, not limited to, but including division, distrust, and decline. And if you grew up in church, you may be fairly familiar with it. You may be familiar with some of the divisions in the church, the disagreements in the church. You may be familiar with distrust in the church because sometimes the church acts more like a social club than it does the body of Christ. And because of that, it builds distrust within the church community. And you are also, maybe if not, today is your day to figure, find out that the church is in decline. All the research, all the polls out there, all that kind of information says that the church, at least in the Western world, in the United States and Europe, is on decline. And so today, we have the opportunity to remember what we need to be doing to ensure that we fix it, and in fact, move ourselves to a better place, a place of growth, of unity, and ensure that, especially for Infused Church, we never go down that road. Now, I'm not going to make you wait for these verses. We're going to actually just jump right in today. We're going to be looking at the last five verses of the book of Matthew, the last few words that Jesus 
uh, gives us in his earthly ministry, right? He's taught for years, a couple, you know, maybe like three plus years. Um, he was arrested, he was tried, he was crucified, buried, and he rose again from the dead. And here's where we pick up the story when he tells his disciples, hey, everybody, I need you to meet me a little bit later back in Galilee. Um, and so I'll see, you, I'll see you there. And so his disciples, specifically the 11 disciples, there were 12, but that Judas guy, he didn't pan out, went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go, okay? Here's the big deal. And to help you visualize this, I brought along a picture. It's a picture um, of actually that I took uh, from Israel. And this is the, um, well, they call it the Sea of Galilee, but it's a lake. Um, this is the Lake of Galilee. And you're looking down one of the mountainsides that surround the area. And in fact, this could have for all we know, bend the mountain that Jesus refers to. This is the place, for all we know, that he kind of climbed up from the valley floor and stood on the top. And because we talked about this in this series, that you would need uh, natural amphitheaters, essentially, to get your voice out because there was no PA system or anything. So you'd kind of climb up the side of a mountain and you speak down. And there was also some significance in tying into the words of G uh, Moses or how Moses taught from the mountainside and, and uh, how Jesus started his ministry. There's all sorts of symbolism in here. It's just a really significant moment. So the disciples come to the side of the mountain. And they see him, Matthew says. When they saw him, Jesus, they worshiped him. But some doubted. In other words, a group of them, when they saw Jesus, they saw the powerful moment that this was, right? Jesus' ministry is back. He's alive. It's exciting. They're going to honor him. You know, maybe they were singing, they were cheering, all this kinds of stuff because they saw that Jesus died. They saw him arrested. They saw him tried, crucified, and buried. And then he's back and they're back. Everybody's back. Exciting day, exciting day. So that was one group. And then there was the other group. Maybe you're in that group or maybe you're in this group. The other group, they doubted. And there's some disagreement, um, actually a lot of disagreement among scholars about what this particular line, some doubted, means. Because you just kind of think, if, if you saw him dead, you knew that he died, and now he's alive, I guess the, kind of the thinking is, well, how could you doubt? Where would the doubt be coming from? And so my take on this, and maybe you'll find this helpful, my take on this is, if you have ever doubted, okay, this is where you need to pay attention. This is really real because it would be so much easier for Matthew, the author, to um, just not include that part, but he does. You know, it'd just be a lot easier for him to say, and they worshiped him, period, but he didn't. He said, even at this moment, at the end of this story where victory has been achieved, they're going to live happily ever after. It's going to be so easy from this point forward, which is not really true. But, you know, this is the end of the story. This is a power moment. Even in the midst of that, even in the midst of coming face to face with a resurrected Jesus, there was still a questioning there was still doubt. There were some people who were still just so overwhelmed, they weren't sure what to believe. And to be honest, I think there will always be part of us. Jesus, those of us who consider ourselves Jesus followers, there's going to be maybe hopefully a big part of us that sits in the camp of worship. And then there's going to be a, at least a small, teeny tiny part of us that's going to have a little bit of our heart in the doubt camp. And I think it's going to be there probably until the end of our lives. That's just kind of the reality, I suppose, of life, of, of the broken world that we live in. 
But what I don't want you to miss is, is the fact that these disciples, despite their doubts, were still there. I'm going to say that again. These disciples were still there. Doubts and all. They showed up. Why? Because they followed Jesus. And because sometimes following Jesus is hard. Sometimes it's overwhelming. Sometimes, my friends, it's just simply confusing and it's a little beyond comprehension. And the only way, though, we're going to grow through it. And the only way I think that those people who Matthew writes are, were doubting are going to get through it is to follow Jesus. Is to do the game-changing part that he talks about yet, next. And I think also Matthew includes this to say there were people in kind of both ends of the spectrum, and yet Jesus commands them all, regardless, here's what you need to do. So if you're a worshipful person, you got Jesus all figured out, you know, you're Jesus follower, yes, I am, yes, I am, or, or you're in the doubting camp, Jesus' command is the same. This is how powerful these next few verses are. In fact, Jesus, to make it even more powerful, he even says, I'm powerful. Here's what he said. Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. I want to be clear here, Jesus is saying, all power, all authority, heaven and earth, me. So the command I'm about to tell you is really important. So you need to listen up. Here, here he goes. Therefore, therefore, in other words, because of my power, my authority, you need to go and make disciples of all nations, not just the nations that look like you. Not just the nations that talk like you. Not this, this nations that are in the same socioeconomic category as your nation. Not just the neighbors you like. All nations. All people. You need to go to all of them. And when you go to them and you tell them about me and they become a disciple of me, what do you do next? You baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, which is what we do here at Infuse. So when you see someone get baptized, usually the person baptizing will say some things into their ear. And what they're saying into their ear was, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Why? Because Jesus said so. Because we follow Jesus. And he goes on, here's the big part. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Because unfortunately, unfortunately, friends, so many churches kind of do this first half part. You know, they say yes to Jesus, say yes to Jesus, come to the altar. You know, guys, say yes to Jesus. They say yes to Jesus, we baptize them, and then, well, that's it. You know, just kind of arrived. You made it. Done deal. It's all over. Jesus is like, no, it's not over. You need to teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And what are you going to do? You're going, once you get taught, you got to go out and teach more people to obey everything I have commanded you. So when I say, Jesus, Jesus is saying this, when Jesus says, love your neighbor, you have to love your neighbor. And then you have to teach your neighbor how to love their neighbor. You have to teach people how to become peacemakers, to help the poor, care for the poor, care for the sick, pray for those in need. You got to teach people that. How do I know that? Because that's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus did. And how do you know this is such a game changer? It's because we're not doing this. And we know it's a game changer because when we're not doing this, we fall into decline and stagnation and, and div uh, division and distrust. 
But when we do this, in fact, from this point forward in the story, we know this is a big deal because in this point in the story forward, the church just explodes. And all Jesus is saying in here is you got to follow me. And here are the keys to how to do that. And he, and he essentially hands over the keys to his followers. And it changes the world. Not just because they made disciples, not just because they baptized them, but because they also taught them how to obey everything I've commanded you. I want to tell you a little story, and it's a story that I've I've shared with you before, and so I apologize if it's a little bit of a repeat, but I think it is a worthy story of of repeating, um, at least for some of you to remember. Um, And it has to do with a time in my life when I was transitioning from working in the corporate world, and I was also an agnostic at the time, to uh, becoming a pastor at a church. So corporate agnostic, church pastor, kind of a transition, you could say. And in that transition, I decided to follow Jesus, okay, and and been baptized, that kind of thing. And then um, I got invited by the church to intern for, um, to intern for them. And so I was, I was working at Boeing and interning at the church on, in the weekends. And uh, I was a few weeks into my internship. In fact, I was a few weeks into seminary. I just started seminary because all my degrees up to that point were in information technology and, and business and stuff. And so I figured I probably need to go back and get some degree in, in theology and biblical studies, that kind of stuff. And so I was in seminary a few weeks in. So I was really fresh, okay? I was a fresh Christian, you could say. And uh, the pa- one of the pastors from the church that I was entering with called me about one or two o'clock in the afternoon. I was, I was working uh, at, at, at Boeing and, and called me and said, hey, tonight at oh, six o'clock, can you come and substitute teach our Christian Foundations class? <laughs> and I was like, this is a very difficult place to be in, okay? Because 10 months earlier, okay, I was agnostic. I'm a couple weeks into seminary and in my internship, and I'm going to teach the foundations of Christianity class tonight, like in a few hours. How would you feel if that was you? Probably similar to what I felt. <laughs> and that, the word that comes, came to my mind, at least, maybe there are some different words that came to your mind, but the word that came to my mind was intimidated. I was exceptionally intimidated, maybe a little concerned, okay? I was intimidated. How was I going to do this? How was I going to do this? Maybe there was a time in which you felt convicted to do something related to faith. How did you handle it? How'd you move through it? Maybe there was a moment you were talk, supposed to talk to someone. Somebody brought up and wanted to talk about faith with you. And it was just intimidating. Maybe you got asked to lead something at church. I kind of have a, um, an ability to, to ask people to uh, serve in the church body and to get involved. I, I do that a lot. And maybe I asked you or maybe another pastor in another church, another experience, they asked you. And it was, you know, at first it was a little intimidating. What were you going to do? What would you do? What did you do? Did you say yes? Did you say yes, but then never really responded after that? Did you walk away? Did you say no? You know, I'm too busy. I can't. I don't know enough. It's not convenient enough. You know, how did you respond? How would you want to respond to a situation like that? The situation of teaching the foundations of Christianity class. And by the way, they were like only in week three of like eight or 10 weeks. The solution 
You follow Jesus. That's what I decided. Maybe I called Stephanie too and asked her what she thought. But, you know, ultimately I was like, well, just, I, I got to follow Jesus. I mean, I'm called to be a pastor. I'm called into ministry. I, I you know, I'm called to follow Jesus ultimately. And so I, I'm going to follow Jesus and I'm going to teach. I only have a few months of experience, but I'm going to teach him everything I know. Why? Because Jesus said so. Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teach them everything everything. Oh, teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And I messed up. I messed up teaching that class. I taught some moderately questionable slash incorrect theology. I pronounced names of the Bible wrong. Names of the Bible that, or names of books of the Bible that I didn't even know were in there. I was like, what's this? This is a book? I had no idea. There were table leaders, because everybody was grouped in a table in the class. There were table, table leaders who had been Christians longer than I had even been alive. And I'm the one up front teaching the class. But my friends, it's not all about qualification. It's about following Jesus. Some of you who are watching have been Christians four times longer, five times, six times longer than I've even been a pastor. Yet Jesus told me to teach. And so I teach. Jesus told me to pastor. And so I pastor. Jesus told me to follow. Therefore, I follow. Most of Jesus' disciples at this moment stood listening to him say these final words. And as they heard him say the words, I need you to teach them to obey everything I have commanded. They thought to themselves, I'm sure, I don't even know how to read. I don't even know how to write. I didn't grow up in a synagogue. I don't know the Old Testament because the New Testament hadn't even been written at that point. I don't even know the Old Testament that well other than Jesus, what you have told me so far in this journey. I grew up as a fisherman. I grew up as a tax collector. I didn't grow up in a religious household. But Jesus said, what? Follow me. And they did. And talk about fast tracking their faith growth, my friends. They had only met Jesus three years earlier. And on this day, on a mountainside with the Holy Spirit's help, they were going to lead the church forward from a couple of guys and gals on a mountainside to two billion people around the world plus today. Why? How? They followed Jesus. And I ended up teaching the rest of that class. I don't think it was because of the job necessarily that I did as much as the pastor was just, the other pastor was just really busy. <laughs> but, but I ended up teaching the rest of the foundation class. And, and do you want to know who I think learned the most from that class? Me. It began to catalyze a fast track to my faith growth. Ultimately, because I followed Jesus. But it's because I taught. I taught what Jesus taught. I said what Jesus said. And we worked through problems and we dealt with questions. And ultimately, we followed Jesus. Remember, those who teach 
will be reached. Those who teach will be reached. I learned a lot. Uh, I learned a lot about the Bible. Why? How? Because I teach it every Sunday. I, I learned about how to talk about faith. You'll never guess it. Not because I read a how-to talk about faith book. I learned a lot about talking about faith, especially with unchurched people, because I was an unchurched people person, people, who taught, who now teach about Jesus, who now has followed Jesus, who now has put their faith in Jesus. I learned how to talk about Jesus because I talked about Jesus, because Jesus told me to. You want to know who I think learned the most at Infuse? Like, for example, our small groups that meet throughout the year. You want to know who I think learned the most in our small groups? You can give me feedback on, on this if you think I'm wrong. I think it's the ones who lead the small groups. I think it's the ones who every other week or every week when they meet, they teach the lesson. They dive in. They figure it out. They take time outside of their groups to learn and grow and stretch themselves. You want to know who I think learned the most in our kids' environment? I hope it's, I hope it's all of your kids, but ultimately, I think I know better. I think it's the ones who are teaching the kids because they're doing what Jesus told them to do. In high school, when the the teacher asked you to present the next chapter, right? You know, when they broke up the chapters or subsections within the textbook and you had to teach your chapter. Let's be honest, who learned the most about that chapter? Well, probably you. I'm not criticizing your teaching skills. It's just the fact that, well, the rest of your class, half of them was probably sleeping during it. Let's be honest. And you were the one who actually read the material and did the work. You were probably the one that learned the most because you taught it. You put yourself in a position to have to tell other people about it, teach people, answer questions, defend it, help people with it. And you will grow when you do that quickly, in fact. My friends, it's called the Great Commission, this little passage at the end of Matthew. It's called the Great Commission because it's pretty great, because you can grow and so can your neighbor because you are teaching them how. And you and I are invited into not a worldly mission. We're invited into a divine, God-given, purpose-driven, impact for thousands and thousands of years kind of mission that spans the globe, literally small corners of the globe know about Jesus. Why? Because of the Great Commission. Because people have decided to not just believe in Jesus, believe he exists, but to follow him and his commands. When we wake up, every morning. We think, I think, I'm just as much, uh, uh, um, uh, not a victim of this, but, uh, you know, participant in this, I suppose. When, when we wake up in the morning, what do we think about? What do you think about when you wake up? You think about what you want to do with your day, what you have to do for the day. What if instead, you know, you got to think about the day, but what if you took a time out and you, you thought about the fact that Jesus has something for you to do today, every day, in fact. Not just to follow him, but to teach other people how to follow him too. And it's really easy to just say, well, you know, I, I go to church, I watch online, you know, and so, um, you know, I'm, I'm following Jesus, right? Well, that's great. And I think, you know, tuning in on Sundays, you know, if you want to make your life better, it can help. And who doesn't want to make their life better? Who doesn't want to help their family become happier and to make their marriage better, to make their relationships better? 
But I got some news for you, and, and this is what I do for a living. I mean, I do church for a living, okay? But a Sunday service will not make all those things better. Things get better when you start following Jesus. You may follow something that I said, but ultimately you're just following what Jesus said because that's all I try to do, I hope. It's when you, when you learn the most is when you follow him, not just attend a service on Sunday, not just drop your kids off in, in uh, our kids' environments or watch online on Sundays. It's when you say yes and follow. Maybe the reason you feel stuck, stalled out, or you're just not growing when it comes to your faith is because you're not growing others. Maybe the reason you're not growing in your faith is because you're not growing others and you're not living that out. Maybe for some of you, you are living, you, you know, you're like, I'm trying to teach, I'm trying to learn, I'm trying to grow. Then all I ask is your continued perseverance. Paul talks about that, especially when he, when he was in prison, when he was in Roman prison, he talks about perseverance and how that perseverance builds character, which leads to hope. Keep running the race before you. Keep following Jesus. And if you do, you will get there. You're on the right track. Keep going. It's not a, oh, I start teaching other people about Jesus one day or start figuring it out one day and then it just happens. It is a journey. Think about this. It took three years for those following Jesus to get it. It may take some time, but if you pursue, you will get there. And the other thing that I want to say about this Great Commission is how it impacts the church. Because imagine if you got like a hundred or a thousand or a million or a couple billion people got on board with this Great Commission. Imagine the impact that amount of people could have on this world. I would think if that amount of people really started to care about other people and love the poor and the sick and those in need and prayed for people and gave generously and all that stuff, I bet, I bet the church could start hospitals. I bet they could start charities and orphanages. I bet they could spur adoptions and combat inequality and reach all nations. And the reason I know that, I know that that's possible is because historically when the church has been at its best, it has been most closely tied to the Great Commission. It has been most missional. It has accomplished all of that because of the Great Commission and it's laser focused on that. This is why as a church has infused church, I always hope we will be a community welcoming to new people. No matter where people have been or what they've done, that we will always be welcoming to them. Because that's our mission, to be hospitable, to be compassionate, to not judge those outside the church, but to love them, to bring light into the darkness, because that's what Jesus taught us to do, and that's what we're going to live out, and that's what we're going to teach others. Sometimes we just have to teach it by example. It's when we forget about how critical the Great Commission is and following Jesus is when we get off track. It's when the church becomes divisive and exclusive and cliquish. It's when friendships break down and people get distracted. It is when, I will tell you every single time, those things happen, the Great Commission will be nowhere to find. You won't be able to find it. That won't be a focus. That won't be on people's mind if we lose the ideas that Jesus laid down in these few verses. The Great Commission brings unity. 
Because when you get bought in, everybody gets bought in. And everybody's moving towards the same goal. Think about this. Every time you drive by a physical church building, a large reason why that building is there is because of these words right here. That's it. It's because of these words. You're looking at them. You drive by any physical church building, the reason that it's there, any hospital that was started by Christians, any orphanages that are started by Christians and positive impacts that people have had in the world, what's driving this is these words right here. You're looking at them. You're looking at them right here. How cool is that? Consider the impact of just these few words over the last 2,000 years. Not one food ch- modern day food chain, a retail store, or even religion comes close to the impact of Jesus's command right here. That's just a fact. You can disagree on the uh, deity of Christ, but you cannot d- disagree on the facts of the outcome of Jesus's command and life and ministry in this world. It has been incredible. And so this is why, hopefully, I ask you, I invite you to consider following Jesus. And if you're not going to follow, wrestle with it. Try to figure Jesus out. Don't stop asking questions. Find someone who's willing to teach you generously and kindly and and exhibits the um, qualities of uh, someone filled with the Spirit of God, someone who's patient and loving and knowledgeable and forgiving and keeps no records of wrong. All those qualities that Paul talks about that should embody someone. And you talk to them and you learn from them because they are someone who gets the idea that they want to teach. And you may not agree with everything they say, but at least you're unified in what you're trying to accomplish. And then based on that, you can make an educated decision, but don't walk away. And for those of you who maybe have walked away, it's time to come back. Or those of you who kind of got off track or need a reminder of this reality, it's time to get back on track with not the side commission, not the plan B. I'm talking about plan A, great commission of Jesus to his church to go make disciples, to baptize them, and to teach. And if you're not teaching, I would really encourage you to figure out a place to do that. Maybe the infused church is not your church home. Find one, make one your church home that you fit into and teach. And if maybe uh, you would be interested in teaching at infused church or something, get to that connection card, sign up to do a small group. If we have people that are interested in small groups, we start small groups. You can meet online and then when things calm down, hopefully next year, you can start leading a group. We're trying to always launch new and innovative ways to talk to people, to teach people. I'd love to have your help with that because we are committed to this. We are unified around this and we want to move towards this because it will fast track your faith. It will change your life and it will change the lives around you. And together, if we all do that, it will change the world. So if you would, bow your heads and let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you. Thank you that you came to earth through your son, Jesus, to show us and to teach us so many things, to teach us how to treat people, what we should value and what we should not, how we should think about ourselves, how we should think about you. Thank you for forgiving your life for us, forgiveness of our sin, 
resurrection. And Lord, thank you that it didn't just end there. What an absolute opportunity we have that because you invite us, you could do it without us, but instead you invite us into your mission, the work you're doing in this world to, to um, allow us to invest our gifts and our talents and our finances and our time and, and what we have to serve others, to love others, to teach the world about you. So Lord, help us to make that step. Help us not to shy away because we have our plans for the day. We have our plans for tomorrow. We have our Christmas plans. We have everything going on. But we would also take time to think about how we can serve your great commission to become a part of this divine mission that you brought down to us, that we would not shy away from the difficult conversations, the conversations that we want to avoid because we're uncomfortable and we feel unqualified and we feel too busy, but we would in Invest into those, lean into those because we want to follow you, because you loved us first and we want to love you back. Help us to follow your commands. Help us to teach your commands. And in so doing, be great followers of your son. In your name I pray. Amen couple discussion questions for you to talk about, hopefully at home with your friends, call somebody up, or at the very least, think about them on your own. One, share a time you had to teach something. If you're alone, this is going to be a little uncomfortable, but you could do it. Share a time that you had to teach something. Did you learn more because you taught something? What happened? Number two, what's one way you could live out the Great Commission this week? What's one way you could live this out. So think about the implications of teaching and, and why that is significant, why Jesus calls us to that, and then one way you could live that out this week. Thank you for doing that. Um, now I want to take just a moment to celebrate um, uh, another positive outcome of our Be Rich campaign. Um, if you missed it, we've been talking about it for a while. Our Be Rich total for November, it's a campaign we do every November to raise a bunch of money and give it all away and serve our community. We raised 12000 dollars and we gave it all away, which is so awesome. And uh, one of the international partners that we supported was the Prosthetic Center in the Dominican Republic. Um, and so a portion of your generosity went to them to help those who, um, well, simply just need help because it is very difficult to lift yourself out of poverty into a very difficult economy without arms without legs. And so, um, as, as you can see in the picture, I mean, it's just, it would be hard without someone to help you get you through that. And so, uh, Devin, who helps us with um, generosity development here at Infuse, got a chance to talk with the director of that program on Zoom. And so, here's a clip of their conversation. I did want to let you know um, that our, my church in Tiffin, Iowa, just outside of Iowa City, and we uh, raised $2,000 to send to you guys to use for prosthetics. Okay. Look, so. oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, it's, uh, it's a blessing because, uh, first of all, we depend upon volunteers and, 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 you know, and all the support that we can receive from, from churches and organizations in the U.S., and as you know, this year, 2020, we didn't have the chance to go to the U.S. and present the organization. 
and the work that we are doing. So that means that um, the, we haven't been receiving any kind of support. Um, so this is a blessing. Uh, what we are going to do is uh, we're going to uh, buy at least uh, 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 four, I think it's going to be four or five prosthetic legs, uh, which is going to help at least uh, four families. So that's going to be a blessing because we were not expecting. So, uh, you know, I have a friend that he, he keeps saying that expectation hurts. So no expectation, no disappointment. So uh, this is a blessing. Uh, it's going to help a lot of people. And I want to express my deepest gratitude uh, for thinking about our organization and, uh, and for such a great uh, donation that you're going to do, uh, you're going to send to our organization. So thank you very much. Yeah, we're happy to do it. And we are glad that we're able to be part of this and blessings upon you as ever for doing the work that you're doing, especially with curfews and the craziness of 2020. And, yeah. and like I was telling somebody yesterday, we, the only thing that we need to do as Christian is just to is wait in God, you know, pray. And at the end, he will make a way. I believe that. So, um, yeah. um, so, you know, it's, it's, I think when we work together uh, with one faith, one love, one hope, uh, we will we will be able to uh, do much more and reach more people, um, you know, and 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 help and help those people. This is the job that we have in our hand, and uh, and the reason we are doing this job, or the reason that we are doing everything uh, that we are doing, is because of the support of organizations such as, as your church and our Rotary Club and different organizations in the U.S. So once again, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know if you caught that, but because of COVID, they haven't been able to raise money. And we talked about that, how because of, you know, an economic downturn domestically, that means internationally support dries up. We saw that in Haiti. We've seen that in the Dominican Republic uh, as well. And so your generosity in this check was a real blessing and is going to change, you know, four to five people's lives, their future, and everything associated with that. So thank you, Infused Church, for your generosity. Thank you for your gifts to Infused Church as well, not just for a Be Rich campaign, but to Infused Church, um, because they make it possible for us to do things like this, have these and build these connections to work with these organizations to make sure they're, they're um, you know, appropriate, healthy, and responsible organizations that are really doing the work that they're supposed to be doing. Um, we do that so that you don't have to think about that and you can just take that step of generosity. So thank you for supporting us and making that possible. If uh, maybe generosity is your next step uh, to support our ministry and the work that we're doing here, there are four ways to give. Um, you can check um, out our app and give through there. Um, you can also um, sign up in the app um, to do a reoccurring gift. Um, also in the app, new, you can see your giving history. So if you sign in in the top right-hand corner of the app and use your phone number and stuff, you'll be able to see a breakdown of your previous generosity. And uh, so uh, thank you again for all of that. You can also give by sending us a check through our website, um, a lot of different options. Uh, we hope uh, make it easy for you to take that step of giving. Uh, now we're going to sing one more song uh, to get us ready.